When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Go behind the wheel and under the hood on everything automotive with high-speed stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Ben Bullen here with our auto editor, Scott Benjamin. Uh, Scott, I have been seeing some really big, just gigantic monster cars recently. And uh, from what I understand, these have pretty powerful engines. That's right. They have to. Right. To push all that weight. And that's what I wanted to ask you. Um, how much does a car's weight actually affect its mileage? Oh, that's huge, huge for a car. Um, you know, the, the more a car weight, well, I guess there's a good example of this. I mean, which would you rather move, a wheelbarrow full of bricks or just an empty wheelbarrow? Oh, okay. Probably an empty wheelbarrow, right? Easier. Yes. It's easier on you, mm-hmm. easier on the engine. Uh, you need more strength, more power to move wheelbarrow full of bricks. I mean, that's that's kind of the way it is. I mean, it just weight has a lot to do with uh, how much how much I guess you have to exert in order to move that that uh, uh, that enormous weight. Hmm. Because see, I I guess maybe I, I don't clearly understand the the connection there. Because let's take what's what's a car that's hilariously oversized? A Hummer, sure, mm-hmm. a sure. Humvee or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, those those cars are definitely in the larger class of of, of vehicles, but uh, and they also have a larger amount of weight. So I know their engine's really powerful, but for some reason they only get what twelve miles. Oh no, they get more like eight. They get eight miles. Yeah, something like eight or even six. In some cases, um, you know, it's it's definitely not good. So is it that because I know the engines have a lot of horsepower? Mm-hmm. Is the engines? strength still not i mean is it is it the efficiency of the engine or is it the the amount of weight the engine's pulling it's it's the amount of weight the shape of the vehicle um a lot has to do with uh the rolling resistance of the vehicle there's just it's just so much this this engine has to push and or pull Mm -hmm. uh to 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 get it down the road i mean you're fighting against the wind um have you ever okay when you're on the highway you ever stick your hand out the window and uh you know feel the the force that pushes against your hand yes okay that's that's drag so you're, you're sticking your hand out the window, and, and it's flat. You know, like, say, your palm is to mm-hmm. the front of the vehicle. You feel a lot of resistance if you're, you know, going 
really quick. Right. And all you have to do is tilt your hand just a little bit, and you'll feel that that you know resistance goes away, that force goes away. Mm. That's a good example of you know of drag on a vehicle. It'll it'll tell you um, you know the more I guess surface that that faces forward on a vehicle, like say, say a Hummer right. or a Jeep Wrangler, or something that has a very flat front end. Um, it just takes that much more effort to push it through the wind at that speed. So you can see where, you know, maybe a pointed front end would be uh, beneficial, you know, yeah. getting better mileage and just slicing through the air, I guess. Okay. And but there's a lot, sense, there's yeah. a lot more to it than that, but that's right. just a real basic way that you can uh, kind of experiment that, you know, Because sure. like, like a Hummer is a, a pretty much a rolling block. Yeah. It's very flat. Yeah. Very flat. And there's a lot of vehicles that are really flat on the front. If you take a look at them, you know, like maybe uh-huh. the angle of the windshield has a lot to do with it as well. And, you know, if you start adding bike racks to the top and, um, you know, the aerodynamic, supposedly aerodynamic body yeah. kits and things like that, you know, that uh, maybe don't necessarily help, but, you know, <laughs> they, they just add more surface to the front of a vehicle. I believe you. I'll take your word for it about the aerodynamic factor mm-hmm. since I'm not a engineer <laughs> yet, right? Yeah. Um, but what's this horsepower to weight ratio thing you were telling me about earlier? Because, okay, look, but, can I be honest with you? Yeah. I heard the term, and then I, I just kind of <laughs> yeah, I understand. Zoned out. I understand, but uh, there's a real simple way of, of understanding this. And okay, it's easiest to think of it this way: um, you've been at a stoplight before, where maybe you're, you know, kind of looking over to your left or right, and mm-hmm. you know, thinking maybe you could have a quick little drag race with somebody at the stoplight. Or, All the time, uh, yeah, I'm sure so you do. Well. Right. Well, let's say a motorcycle pulls up next to you. All right. Do you think you have much of a chance? I would imagine I have a Monte Carlo. It's got a big engine. No, no. Sorry, you don't. No, and here's the reason: unless you, unless it's some terribly, you know, awfully tuned engine in this okay. motorcycle, motorcycles have a, a very distinct advantage over cars, and that's horsepower to weight. They have, you know, let's say they have a third of the horsepower of your car. All right, they've got much, much less than a third of the weight of your car. Mm-hmm. So you can understand that, you know, it, it takes much less horsepower to move that motorcycle down the road. And as you, I'm sure that you've witnessed this. You've seen a motorcycle just tear away from you where you can't even see it oh, yeah. on the horizon, you know, 10 seconds later, it's gone. Yeah. That's the advantage that, that they have over a, over a, a big vehicle, and that's kind of what we're getting at is that, you know, the, the, sure, the car's got four times the horsepower, three times the horsepower, whatever it is, but it's got, you know, 10 times the weight. So that's, that's just like a quick explanation of, of why horsepower to weight ratio is important. Okay. Yeah, I get it. Okay, well, all right, that makes sense. The, my next question, and I, I think everybody would wonder after hearing the importance of horsepower to weight, uh, why are why aren't there more cars with less weight? Ah, that's a good question, but uh, that's on the way, and they're called hypercars. 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 I like right. that name. Yeah, the hypercars. It's kind of a cool name, and the term was coined a while back. Um, guy named Amory Lovins. Mm. I believe he's the one who coined that term. I, I, in my readings, I, I'm a little bit confused. I read qu- you know, quite a bit about this, but I just don't remember who coined the term exactly. But mm-hmm. he was from the, um, I think it's called the Rocky Mountain Institute. And it was called RMI. And it's since changed over to a different name, um, mm-hmm. kind of based on what they do now. But um, he had this idea that, you know, why, why, ha- why do we have to carry around an extra 2,000 pounds with us every time we go to work? Or why do we have to, you know, push this giant vehicle down the road? Why can't we have a uh, you know a body made out of composite materials you know low resi- low rolling resistance tires really just minimalist interior in these vehicles so mm-hmm. that you know there's not a lot of added interior weight um, 
just really advanced way of thinking about you know these cars. And if you reduce the weight, you can make the engine smaller. And if you can make the engine smaller, you can reduce the weight even more. And if you you know there's all kinds of savings that can be uh, that can be drawn from this. I mean, you don't have to carry as much fuel because the engine is smaller and more efficient, and it has less work to do. And even though you're getting better mileage, you know you just don't have. You, you may have to stop, you know, on 400 miles and fill up like you normally do, but you're only carrying two or three gallons of gas maybe at the most, huh. and that, that weighs significantly less. So you're not carrying around 60 pounds of fuel with you uh, that you don't need to be carrying. Um, it's just a very efficient, very uh, logical way to think about building vehicles. And, of course, it sounds like he was a research scientist uh, of some sort. I don't know what his title yeah. was at the, at the time, but he's right now, I'll tell you what he's doing, he's working on... At least he was when I read this article. Yeah. He was trying to uh, develop a way to mass mass produce carbon fiber, and carbon fiber is kind of a, a, a key here. Is that up until very recently, it had mm. to be hand handmade. It had to be uh, hand formed, and it just wasn't able to be uh, like pressed out, kind of like steel panels would be or uh, metal okay. panels would be. Okay, in cars. hang on. So they're using yeah. this carbon fiber to build these hypercars. Carbon fiber, among other things, they're using composite materials, and okay. um, so yeah, carbon fiber is a big one, right? What now. is carbon fiber? Okay, carbon fiber. That's uh, it, I guess real simple is um, carbon strands of carbon um, right. fibers, I should say, the microscopic <laughs> fibers. Thousands of these fibers are woven together. To make a uh, like a carbon fiber yarn, I guess is what you call it. Okay. A yarn is then woven into a fabric, and then the fabric is what you see. You know, you've probably seen carbon fiber on cars, on sports cars, or maybe okay. um, you know, I guess performance magazines or mm-hmm. something like that would have carbon fiber pieces that you can buy for your car. But we're talking about building the whole vehicle out of carbon fiber, even some of the structural components of the car, not just not just the exterior. So you're not bolting it to a big heavy metal frame. You might be bolting it to structure that's also made out of you know this wow. material or some other composite material that's also lightweight. It's, so it's past metal pretty much at that point. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, wow. it's it's definitely a, like I said, it's just an extremely efficient way to build vehicles. The problem is being able to mass produce these materials. You just can't do it like you know in the old stamping factories, you know, where right. they uh, they throw in a, a piece of metal and, and you know five seconds later mm-hmm. or less, uh, you know, an, an entire well, not an entire car, but an entire panel comes out, and it's pretty much ready to go. They had to hand lay these over um, over molds, you know, paste on resin, lay another layer of carbon fiber on, paste on another layer of resin, let it dry, trim it. You know, it's just it was just a uh, very cumbersome process and expensive. It sounds very like. expensive. Yeah, okay. it's very expensive, and uh, they're trying to get the the price down to the point where you know it's actually something that can be considered for mass production. They're mm-hmm. getting they're getting the the time down that it takes to to create these panels. So let's say that it used to take two hours to create a, uh, a hood for a car. Okay. Now it's down to you know five minutes or you know something like that. It's 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 getting to that point, but still that's not fast enough for mass production. So when we say they are trying to get it down, who who is the they in this? Sentence? They are well this major manufacturer. Yeah. Well, it's yeah, it's this guy uh, Amory, and he's with a company. I, I just found it in my notes here. It's called. I think it's called Fiber Forge. Is his new company, but there's also another another group that's working with uh, Nissan, Honda, and Toyota, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. called I think it's Torre Industries or something similar to that. But they're really putting a lot of effort into this, trying to bring the the time down, which also brings the cost down, right. and it's just trying to make it more of a. Um, I guess mass production friendly material. Right. 
So okay, so the so the big boys are getting into this. Yeah, it's and they think it's a good idea. Yeah, that's right. Wow. It's 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 on its way. So what what are are there are there any uh, things that could be considered hypercars out now or yeah. coming out? Well, not anything on the road right now that is mass produced. There's okay. a, there now there are elements of they're kind of hypercar elements in in some vehicles that are out there. Let's see, there's and there are a few prototypes too. There you know, few few concepts. That we can talk about. Lay it on now. Me, well, one car that you, I don't know if you've ever seen a Lotus Elise. Yes. Um, okay. There's a new version of a Lotus Elise that weighs less than two thousand pounds, and that still sounds like a lot of weight. I mean, when you when you hear you know some of the the numbers that we're going to talk about later, but less than two thousand pounds is pretty significant, and uh, it has a lot of carbon fiber elements to it. But it you know by cutting weight and keeping the same engine in the vehicle, uh, it makes a dramatic improvement in the performance, and that's what that car is all about. And if you look at the interior of it, there's definitely hypercar elements in the interior of the Lotus Elise. The seats don't have, you know, they're not what you'd normally find in a uh, in a standard sedan. Okay. Uh, they're not, you know, real thick padded seats, and they don't have, um, they're just not really big, hefty seats. They're, they're not they're, plush. Well, no, they're not, but they're comfortable, yeah. and that's the, that's the point want to make here is that they're they're comfortable they're they're formed the right way they've got uh padding where they where it needs it but they may use a mesh material where they don't need that um so it's not this this i guess giant structure that you know right. you'd see in like a, a minivan or something yeah. you know those are the big seats but take a look inside a lotus lease next time and you'll be surprised at just how minimalist that interior is so, you know it's, there's no carpets uh-huh. Just raw metal. So if they're if they're saving weight, then I imagine some of the stuff like maybe the the brake pedal is drilled out. Correct. Yeah, yeah. they. I mean, they go to great lengths, you know, to uh, to save weight anywhere they can, and that's that's one of the things they do. What what's on the horizon? What else is coming? Oh up man, there's a lot coming. Yeah. Really, there, there are concept vehicles, and we've talked about a few of them, or actually we've had articles about a few of them on our site. Uh, the Aptera Hybrid is one. That one, I mean, they're claiming somewhere around 330 to 380 miles per gallon in that vehicle. So you, you can understand how you know how dramatically different the mileage will be in these cars. Yeah, you know, I'll totally buy one. Based on aerodynamics, based yeah. on weight, based on the, uh, the the drivetrain that they use, very efficient. Uh-huh. Um, even you know, like we've mentioned earlier, low rolling resistance tires. There's a lot of cars that are in that neighborhood as well, and that no, that's not being mass produced right now. But you can buy one. You can mm-hmm. you can contact the person directly and buy one. There are other vehicles that you can't do that with yet. Uh, Honda makes one that gets. And now see this is this is kind of getting into the area where you know it's a possible production vehicle, but just shy of the 100 mile per or 100 mile per gallon mark. Uh, it gets 94 miles per gallon. It's called the Honda. I'm going to say IMAS. It's I M A S. Okay. Um, and Daihatsu makes some that get, you know, they claim 143 to 169 miles per gallon. Wow. There's also a Civic CTDI that gets 72 miles per gallon right now. That's and I know good. that Volkswagen is also in production with, uh, with I think it's a Rabbit model that gets something in that neighborhood, uh, diesel engine. One that I'm all excited about, though, there's there's a, uh, a Volkswagen one-liter car. One-liter meaning? One-liter meaning, uh, I'll try to get this straight, one-liter Meaning the dist- or the amount of fuel that it would take to go 100 kilometers. Oh, okay. So it's it's an it's a measurement that we're not necessarily accustomed to here. But sure. I have some notes about the stats on this thing, and it's it's unbelievable. And they're saying that in 2010 they're going to begin limited production of this vehicle, and it looks really cool. I mean, of it has one a, liter car. It, it's yeah. yeah, that's right, and it's unlike anything you've really seen up until this point. Um, it, it has 
you know, all the elements we talked about, carbon fiber, mm-hmm. all over, the whole shell, structure, everything. The um, driver and passenger sit in front, uh, I guess in, in, uh, in, I don't know if you call it in tandem, uh, one in front of the other one. Oh, like a cockpit. Yeah, that's right. Plane. It's exactly so, like that. And if, you, and if you look at it from the outside, the, the vehicle itself looks like the canopy of a, of a jet fighter. It has, wow. uh, it has kind of a glass canopy to it rather than a oh. flat windshield. Is it a two-seater? It is a two-seater. And the reason that, you know, that you sit one in front of the other is so that you know, the car doesn't have to be as wide as a, as a standard vehicle. So it's only about four feet wide. Oh, weird. And it just allows it, again, it just allows it to slice through the air that much faster or that much, that much yeah. easier, I guess. Scott, you got some numbers there, huh? Yeah, it's it's it's. Well, I got some numbers. It's it, yeah. the the engine. It's unbelievable. You, right now with the prototype, I think they're going to change this a little bit for production, from what I've heard. But the prototype had a one cylinder diesel engine. I get this was it was point three liters in size. So it's a tiny, tiny engine. Yeah. Tiny it's like engine. A yeah, slightly it, larger than a lawnmower. Yeah, that's right. Well, the horsepower is only eight and a half horsepower. Wow. So less than some of the garden tractors that you might uh, yeah, yeah. you might use just right around your yard. The fuel economy in this thing is unbelievable. It's it Trent what you know the uh, the one liter measurement that we talked about. Yeah, that translates in you know the gallons that we talk about here. Uh, that translates to two hundred and thirty five miles per gallon. Wow! And they're actually talking that recently mm-hmm. that vehicle has achieved even higher miles per gallon than that. Um, they're, they're talking like around two eighty. So. Um, I don't know. Again, limited production, 2010 mm-hmm. from Volkswagen. It's called the one-liter car. Keep an eye out. Huh? Definitely, and uh, I mean, it looks kind of out there. It's it's a it's a bizarre design. I like it personally, and mm. I, I believe in it. I really think that it's it's going to work. You believe in it? I do. What, what do I you do. What do you mean? That's well, a- I I mean I, I I read a lot about all these new technologies that come out. You know, we we that's my job. I have to you know kind of keep up with this stuff yeah. as much as I can. Uh huh. You know, besides the lies that I perpetrate here on yeah, our podcast. Yeah, I mean, you, know, you so, do all right. Yeah. You do all right. <laughs> so, yeah, but I, I, I try to keep up with this stuff, and I'll tell you, I, I started reading about hypercars months ago when I first started here. It was one of the first assignments that I had was, you know, mm-hmm. to, to kind of investigate this. And every – I'm not kidding, Ben, when I say every single day on my way home from work or way to work, I think about this. I think about, you know, the, this lightweight situation and, and how a lightweight vehicle would really save – just unbelievable amounts of uh, fuel, oil. I mean, everything. Billions, trillions. Oh, uh, <laughs> untold number. Yeah, untold. Uh, untold. Yeah. I mean, it's just. I really, I truly believe this is one of the uh, one of the things that will help. Yeah. You know, our our dependence on foreign oil. Awesome. Well, my guess we should we should tell our listeners, uh, you guys. I know you can't see it here, but but Scott really does have some pretty pretty hectic looking notes here. And uh, it looks like there's a lot more detail we could get into about this conversation and this topic. So if you would like to check it out for yourself, please uh, check in with us at the Auto Channel on HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. 
Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.